Welcome everyone to the Blade Experience once again. I hope you enjoyed that. As you can see, we finally have an intro song. I've been wanting to do an intro song for a long time now, and we finally have one. So I hope you enjoyed that intro song. That will be the intro song for the podcast going forward. The song is called SonicSushi.com by an artist named N with 10 N's. So I'm sure you probably haven't heard the artist before. I hadn't either, but I think the music definitely fits the podcast. You know, it's got a gaming theme to it, and I enjoyed that song, and hopefully you guys will too. So let me know in your feedback, you know, if you actually like the song or not. But I think it's, you know, a nice song to get pumped up for the podcast. But that is one new thing for the podcast. In addition to that, we do have YouTube and streaming planned for the podcast coming up soon. I don't have any set announcement to make for that, but I wanted to let everyone know that we will have a YouTube channel and we will be streaming uh, fairly shortly. So just stay tuned and I will update everyone on announcements for that. But that is something that's in the works and I'm working on it behind the scenes. So. Hopefully that will be there shortly and you guys can enjoy that as well. And in addition, the last piece of news we have for the podcast itself is we have a sort of new planned schedule I'm going to be going with. I'm going to be trying to get two episodes out a week to everyone. What I plan on doing is putting out one episode on Monday or Tuesday and then a second episode on Friday or Saturday. And kind of how the plan is going to work is... On Friday or Saturday, we'll have our regular State of Decay 2 coverage. You know, once a week, we'll have that. So that'll be our Friday or Saturday episode. And then Monday or Tuesday, like this episode, this is going to be sort of a rotating slot where every Monday or Tuesday, I discuss a different game. So this will be like a rotating slot. And then on Fridays or Saturdays, I will release a State of Decay 2 episode. So hopefully you guys will enjoy that schedule and definitely let me know what you think, you know. If you like the idea of a rotating slot, if you want a set game in that slot, or if you want me to talk about a game I haven't talked about yet, just give me the heads up and let me know in the Discord or email or however you want to let me know. But that being said, we do have a great episode today. Today we are talking about the Darwin Project. So the Darwin Project is a game by Scavenger Studio. And basically this game is a battle royale game. But it's a battle royale game with a different twist to it, I would say. So we're going to get into that game. We're going to, you know, delve into sort of the basics of it. I'm sure listeners of the podcast throughout know how I do things by now. But if you're new to the podcast, basically how I usually do things. The first episode I talk about a game, I get into the basics of the game. That way, anyone that's brand new to the game kind of knows the basics before they start playing it themselves. And then any future episodes I do on Darwin Project will be more in-depth into certain aspects of the game. So with the Darwin Project, I do plan to revisit this game fairly frequently. I am loving this game, and it's a lot of fun, honestly. Basically, what I'm thinking for this game is I'm thinking of shooting for one to two podcasts a month about this game. So basically, there's a podcast about it this week. There wouldn't be one next week, probably the week after is when I would shoot for having another podcast about Darwin Project. But if you guys, you know, really end up liking this, you really want to hear more about the Darwin Project, let me know. I mean, I'm definitely flexible. I could do more Darwin Project. I could do less of it. Just let me know what you think and let me know if you want to hear more about the game. 
But in addition to that, I think the Darwin Project is a game that really would go well with streaming. So that will be the first game we try out streaming and try out on YouTube when I do get that set up. So that will be the first game you see. And in addition, if the game grows enough in our community, I will be hosting tournaments for it at some point. So that is something to, you know, hope for in the future. But in the meantime, until we actually build up enough to do tournaments for that, there is a Discord called the Unofficial Darwin Project League. And basically this Discord, they run tournaments usually every weekend. And I will be helping to direct those in those tournaments. So I'll be helping with those tournaments. And the podcast is sort of an unofficial sponsor of those tournaments. So definitely check that out. Um, it's Unofficial Darwin Project League. I will post a discord link for them in the show notes so you can find their uh, discord as well and the next tournament for them should be this weekend i believe so if you hear this episode before the weekend and you want to actually join that tournament and get in on it and test your skills a little bit just get in touch with me and let me know and i will forward that on to the guy that runs the tournament but just get in touch with me and let me know and we will set it up so it should be a lot of fun So before we get into the basics of the game, though, I do have to give a shout out as to how I came upon this game and how I learned about it. Uh, Basically, two people mentioned it to me. One was a friend named Alpha in the Discord. So thank you, Alpha, for mentioning this to me. And it's been a lot of fun. I'm glad I checked it out. This game is currently free on Xbox Preview. So Just go download for free on Xbox Preview, and that's basically what Alpha told me, and I went and did that. The other person that clued me into the game is a guy named Jesus Walks a Lot, and he has a podcast as well. His podcast is the Horrible Gamers Podcast, and he mentioned the games to me, and he said that I might like it, and I should check it out, and I checked it out on the word of these two people and I liked it a lot and I think it's going to be a great series for our podcast so I hope you guys enjoy it too and think so as well but getting back to Jesus a little bit Jesus walks a lot of the horrible gamers podcast he gave us a huge shout out on his last podcast so I'm going to go ahead and return the favor this is definitely a great podcast there's only two podcasts for gaming that I listen to every week and the horrible gamers podcast is one of those two podcasts I listen to every week and they honestly do a great job basically what they do is they start their episodes by talking about the games they played and they have kind of eclectic taste where there's three different hosts and sometimes a fourth guest and basically they just go through the games that they played recently and they kind of talk about those and you get to hear about what games they love and what games they've been really enjoying a lot so throughout the four of them or three then you get a really nice bunching of games of different varieties and that's really fun and you need to hear about that so i love hearing about that and then after that what they usually do is they get into some news And they do a great job with this, honestly. Like, I love their news segment because they talk about all the, like, latest gaming news. And they do a great job with that. So if there's a gaming story you haven't heard about, then they'll probably be covering it in their news section. And they honestly do a great job getting some gaming news, too. So I definitely appreciate that about their podcast. And they really do great with that. And then, of course, they also take questions from their community at the end and they go over some of the questions from their community. So 
I submitted a question in their last episode, and they went over that as well. So they're definitely very responsive to their community. So I would definitely recommend checking their podcast out. They do have a Discord as well, so go check that out and interact with them. And they're great people, honestly, and they have a really great podcast, and I would definitely recommend it. It's one of only two gaming podcasts, like I said, that I listen to every week. So I would definitely recommend this, and I will put a link in the show notes for them. So Horrible Gamers Podcast. Go check that out. And last but not least, I just want to mention that, like I said before, our State of Decay 2 coverage will resume this weekend, either Friday or Saturday. We will be talking about the fifth skill slot in State of Decay 2, so stay tuned for that, and you'll hear all about the fifth skill slot. But without further ado, we'll get into the Darwin Project. This is a great game, and I really love playing this game. It, like I said, is another Battle Royale game, but it has a lot of unique differences to it than, say, a Fortnite or, say, a PUBG has. So this Battle Royale game is actually only 10 people instead of 100, so you're only going to have 10 people in each match. And they do have duos available, so you can do five teams of two, or you can do a match with 10 solo players. And that is the options right now for that. And each match actually lasts about the same time as a PUBG or Fortnite match, though, because each match can last between 10 and 30 minutes, depending you know how fast the players kill each other, obviously. So honestly, I think with the way that's designed, it gives it a lot more of an intimate feel to the game and it makes it a lot more enjoyable, I think, because if the match lasts the same amount of length, but it has less people, then it's a lot more tense when you actually come upon someone. You're not going to be you know, seeing players every five seconds of the game. I mean, when you see players, it's going to be fewer and farther between. So it adds more of an element to stealth of the game, and it adds more of a kind of hunting and gathering to the game, where you have to actually hunt down your opponents, you know, gather more materials, and really plot out and strategize more how you're going to actually go about your game. And that's one of the cool things about this game. But just some more about it, it does have a crafting element to it, which is different than PUBG and Fortnite. So basically this crafting element, you can craft weapons, you can craft armor, some traps, different things like that. We'll get into that a little bit more later in the episode, but you can craft different things to help you in the game. And like I was alluding to before, you need to survive in the game by gathering. So you have to gather wooden leather because wooden leather is what you use to craft your items. And an interesting mechanic in the game is you have to actually keep warm. There's an extra cold meter on your HUD, basically, and... If this cold meter gets too low, then you freeze to death. So you have to actually use wood to make fire and keep yourself alive by keeping yourself warm. So that's definitely interesting. And as you level up as a player, you get fan gifts, which fan gifts are basically just cosmetic clothing and items cosmetically. So that's kind of similar to, you know, the style of PUBG and Fortnite, just a little bit different. In addition, they also have ramen, which is basically their in-game currency. So yeah, ramen is your in-game currency. You can use this to buy different outfits, cosmetics, you know, different weapons, just like you would in the other Battle Royale games you're used to. Like I said, this is currently free to play on Xbox Game Preview. There's one map. The map has a winter theme to it, and it has nine zones in it. And as the game goes on, these zones close. And basically, when there's only one zone left, it goes into sudden death, and then the circle closes, so... Everyone should be kind of used to that mechanic a little bit, but it has nine zones to start and the zones close 
randomly throughout the game, or the director can close them. Which, now that I mentioned director, this is one of the very unique things about Darwin Project. You have a director that kind of oversees and influences the match by using special powers. So think of this like the Hunger Games, basically. If anyone's seen the Hunger Games, then it works a lot of the same way, where the director can, you know, drop different power-ups as people, or they can influence a game by closing a zone, or they can drop a nuke somewhere. So it's a lot of fun that the director actually can influence a game like that, and it makes the players react accordingly to that. And they have to try and not only survive in the world, but also react to what the director is doing. There are different regional servers. There is an AEU server, a Western U.S. server, a Eastern U.S. server. There is servers for Oceania, sorry, Oceania, Asia. There's a bunch of different servers. I think there's like six or seven servers total, but they do have different servers to different regions. So that's helpful for players in those regions. And one thing to mention really fast, you can fall in lava in this game and you die instantly. So definitely don't fall in the lava. Don't do that. But yeah, that's kind of the bare bones basics of the game. I mean, I'll get into some of the key components a little bit more in detail now and... In future episodes, I'll go into them a lot more in depth, but one of the key components, like I mentioned, is the crafting element, which you wouldn't be as familiar with in this in a Battle Royale game, so I'll go over that a little bit. So basically, you use leather and wood gathered in the map, and you craft in-game components to better help you in the game. So essentially, you might need like two wood and two leather to make a fur coat or something, and the fur coat, what that would do is... It makes it so you get cold less easily and you don't have to warm up as often. Or you might want to craft, you know, armor, which would be three wood and three leather. Or you might want to craft some arrows or some traps like a tripwire or a bear trap. Different things to slow your opponents down or help you. And that's kind of how the game works with the crafting, where you're basically just crafting things that either help you or hurt your opponents. But getting into the categories of things you can craft, one of the categories is called perks. And basically the perks are a special boost for your character. So the perks would be either your boots, your cloaks, or your axes. So there's different types of axes. You can either get a scavenger axe, a lumberjack axe, or an axe sharpener. The different types of cloaks include fur cloak, detective cloak, runner cloak, ghost cloak, and revenge cloak. And the different types of boots you can get are ninja boots, hunter boots, evader boots, and speed boots. So I won't go over all those right now. I mean, that's going to be more of a future topic. But essentially, these boots lead to like different load sets. So you can have a play style that's really stealthy based, you know, where you have like a ninja thing and a ghost thing on there. Or you can have a play style that's more, you know, hunting based where you can just try and hunt other players. You might want a play style that's speed based where you're going very fast. You can evade people. So... Essentially, there's just different things you can use to craft the play style you want to play as. And you can kind of have a different loadout for how you want to play. One of the other categories of items you can craft is arrows. So basically, there's armor and arrows. And the arrows you can make are fire arrows, regular arrows, hunter arrows, and berserk arrows. So again, these are all just different types that lend themselves to different play styles. Now, an interesting section that you can actually craft items for is traps and tools. And these basically do what they say. You know, it either traps your opponent or it's a tool to help you out. So you can craft a glider, a tripwire, 
a rig chest, a cage trap, a smoke bomb, a bear trap, or a snowball. And these are a lot of fun, honestly. Like the snowball, for example, if you throw a snowball at your opponent, it seems kind of stupid in theory, but it's actually a pretty good tactic because if you're throwing a snowball at your opponent, you're going to make them colder faster, and that makes them freeze to death. So you can try and freeze your death opponent to death by throwing snowballs at them, which is kind of funny in a way, but it's actually a good tactic. Or you could use, like, you know, a tripwire, and your opponent's going to walk over the tripwire, take some damage, and fall down. And that leaves the door open for you to strike on them. So there's different things like that where you can actually influence the game in your favor. Like, another one that I like a lot is the glider. The glider, you can use your glider and get out of trouble. Say you're almost dead and somebody's coming after you, you can use the glider and soar across, like, an area real quick and get ahead of your opponent. And then you'll be safe for a little while. Then you can kind of recoup. So the glider is definitely a good tool to recoup if you're in a bad spot. Or it's also a good tool if, like, say your zone's closing and you want to get out of that zone and get into a new zone. But it's just kind of things like that where there's different tools you can craft that really make the game interesting for you. But the last category that you can craft is called powers. And this is probably the most interesting one because this is the one that you need electronics in order to craft it and this gives you a big boost in the game so electronics is basically it's kind of like your wooden leather in the sense that it's a resource but it's a special resource that doesn't occur very often in the game wooden leather are pretty plentiful where you can find them almost anywhere in the game but electronics are only at certain points in the map and they only occur at certain times so the game will say, oh, an electronic is being placed down, and it'll show you on the mini-map where it's placed. But the catch is that electronic might be placed there, and you might want to go for it, but there's 10 other people in the game, and they all need electronics too, so they're going to want to go for it as well. So electronics kind of become, in a sense, battle points because everyone sort of wants them, and they come become hotly contested points a lot of times where you're going to have to fight in order to get the electronic. But electronics are definitely game changers because they make some very cool powers that you can't get if you don't use electronics. So the powers that are available in the game right now, I know they're working on other ones, but there's a radar, detector, camo, arena, power leap, energy shield, turret, and teleport. Honestly, the turret is probably the one that a lot of people like the most right now. It's what it sounds like. You put down a turret and the turret shoots your opponents for you. So it's very good, very handy. But there's also ones that are probably a little underrated, like camo, for example, where you go invisible for a couple seconds, and this can be really handy to get you out of a tight spot. Or like the radar, for example, the radar does what you think it would. You use your radar, and it actually tells you where opponents are for a short amount of time. So these things are definitely very helpful, and like I was saying before, it kind of leads to different play styles. So you can set yourself up. You get three powers you get three traps and tools so you can choose three out of those lists that i get made and basically with those three you can kind of set up a play style that will work what you think is the best for your game but one of the other key elements to the darwin project is there's kind of a tracking and hunting element to the game so basically say i was in the game and i made a fire because i was getting cold that's all fine and good but when i make that fire it leaves a large smokestack that is visible for a lot of players. So basically, if I'm making a fire to warm myself up, a lot of players are going to be able to see that smoke, and 
they might come rushing towards me and I have to get out of that situation or fight them. So you can definitely expose yourself by making fire. And that's one of the cool things in the game because you need to make fire at some point to survive. But you also kind of expose yourself. So you have to be careful how you do it. And in addition to that, when you craft items, you basically leave behind some supplies where you crafted it. So say I crafted a fur cloak. Then when I craft that fur cloak, the spot I crafted at, I'm going to leave behind some supplies that I used to craft. And basically, if someone came up after me and found the supplies that I used to craft with, they can search those supplies and it'll put a tracker on me. And what that tracker does, is it shows them where I am. It's only for a short amount of time, but for a short amount of time, they'll know where I am and where to go to find me. And then if I left a trail, say I left a fire, they track that fire, they'll know where I am. And say after I made the fire, like 10 seconds later, I crafted something, they can keep following that trail and keep tracking me as long as I kept doing stuff. So you have to be careful about how often you craft stuff in a row and how often you make fires in a row because... If somebody tracks you one time, you might be able to lose them. But if you kept crafting stuff right in a row, then they keep tracking you for a while because they keep finding more evidence that you were there. So that's one of the cool things about the game is that you can kind of hunt somebody down because you found evidence that they were there and you have to try and hunt them. So that's definitely a cool aspect of this game that you don't see as much in the other Battle Royale games because you can't actually check to see how long ago someone was there check and see you know like say Fortnite, for example you find like oh somebody built ramps here which that's all fine and good but i mean that doesn't tell you where they went it doesn't tell you how long ago they were there it doesn't tell you anything like that i mean the, one of the cool things about this game is you can search a fire that somebody made even though it's out it'll tell you okay this person is right here right now so that kind of gives you an idea how long ago they were there how much distance they have between you and it kind of gives you a clue to actually hunt them down but the items that can be scouted to put a tracker on people are fires, crafted items, and trees. So if you cut down a tree, somebody can also search the stump of that tree and basically put a tracker on you and let you know that you're there. Pretty much the one item that doesn't happen for is the leather that you find. If you find leather, then they're not going to be able to track that. So that is one good thing for the leather, but the rest of the stuff they can pretty much track you for. But as I mentioned, one of the other key elements is there's kind of a survival twist to the game where obviously every Battle Royale game is about survival in some sense. But this one is more of a sense where you have to survive the elements as well as your opponents. So you need to keep warm to stay alive because if your cold meter goes too low, then basically what's going to happen is you're going to start taking health damage and eventually you're going to freeze to death and die. So... You have to watch your cold meter and make sure that it doesn't get low. And also watch your health meter too, obviously. And you need to gather wood and leather in order to craft items because technically speaking, you could go through the game without crafting anything, but I wouldn't advise it because if you don't craft anything at all, then the opponents you come up against are probably going to be a lot more advanced in the gear they have than you are. You know, you might come up a guy against a guy that has like a pair of boots on. He has, you know, armor on. He's got, you know, plenty of arrows with him. And all you have is like your regular axe. So technically speaking, you don't have to craft stuff, but you're going to be at a huge disadvantage if you don't. And there are nine zones which close randomly or the director can choose zones to close. So there's going to be a northwest, northeast zone, 
east and west zone, a center zone, and then a southeast and southwest zone. Those are their zones. And another cool thing about the map, too, is there's actually portals on the edge of the map. So say you are in the southeast zone, you can go through a portal and it'll take you to the other side of the map. So say your zone's closing and you're all the way at the back of the zone. What you can do instead of actually trying to go all the way across the zone and not have enough time to do that, you can go through the portal and try and save yourself that way. So yeah, it's definitely a really a key element with the freezing mechanic in there, and I definitely love that mechanic because having to worry about freezing to death while also facing players, it adds a new level of tension because you could be in a fight with someone and then you're freezing more than they are, so you have to find a way to warm yourself up and then also worry about them as well. While on their end, they might be completely warmed up already and they can just keep fighting you. So it puts you in a bad situation where you're fighting this player. They're already good to go, but you have to find a way to warm up and fight them at the same time. So it definitely adds a new element of strategy to the game. And it also adds an element of planning as well, because you have to plan ahead and say you're going to the final zone. You don't want to go to that final zone and not be warmed up because you want to be ready to go to fight that final player or the final players if there's more than one. That's why I think it's cool about this game is it adds a new level of strategy to the game that you might not see in the other Battle Royale games because being able to craft different items of your choice and having to deal with freezing, having to deal with those other elements like that, it just adds it adds more creativity for the players to choose a play style they want i would say i will say weapons wise the only weapons available to you are an axe and a bow and arrow so it's kind of primitive weapons but it definitely still works in this game i mean this game wouldn't work as well with guns i don't think because this game is more about like survival and you know using primitive type weapons to kill each other and if you get good enough to aim the bow then you really don't need a gun because i've seen some people you know jump up in the air and hit people midair with the bow. So, I mean, if you get good enough with that bow, then you're solid. But then sort of the last, like, key component to this game that's, you know, different or makes it unique is that there's the director. Now, the director is basically a sort of player in the game that's not really playing. They're directing the show. Think of it as, like, a TV show, and they're the one that's kind of influencing what happens in the TV show. So... They're directing this TV show and they can use their powers to make battles faster or they can use their powers to slow things down. They can use their powers to help someone that did really good or they can use their powers to kind of punish someone for not trying or however they want to see fit. Basically, it's all in the director's hands how they want to play it. I mean, there's some unspoken practices between people that do direct that you don't really do. I won't get into those now, but obviously, you know, common sense would say you don't want to like favor someone too much. You don't want to kind of rig the game for someone because that's definitely against the rules and because there's definitely no teaming in the game allowed, especially between directors and players. So that's definitely not going to be something you want to do because not only will you get banned, it's just not ethical at the same time. I mean, just don't do that. So yeah, just, you know, use common sense a little bit and try to, you know, lead things to a fair fight and a exciting match for everyone. Because basically the director's job is to make the match more exciting for the players. And if you're streaming the match, to make it exciting for the viewers as well. So you're kind of trying to entertain everyone while 
entertaining yourself by, you know, having things be interesting. But the director has different powers. Some of those powers include Manhunt, Exposed, Crowd Favorite, Close Zone, Give Wood, Warm Up, Speed Up, Heal, Nuke, Telepathy, Electronic, Electromania, Blood Moon, and Gravity Storm. So I know that's a lot to take in, and for someone that doesn't know the game, they probably have no clue what half of that stuff even means, and that's fine. I mean... I will definitely get in depth in all that stuff, you know, in a later episode. But essentially, all you need to know for now for this one is the director has powers that can kind of cause fights to happen. And they can kind of push people closer together. So if somebody's trying to hide in one corner of the map, the director can close a zone and force them to leave that zone. That way they're not hiding anymore. Or say someone, you know, say there's a three way battle and someone killed the other two players. The director can reward that player by giving them some wood or something, and they can use that wood to craft more arrows or craft wherever they want. So basically, the director has ways they can reward people. It has ways they can punish people and ways they can kind of create more action when there's not any action happening. Like one of the coolest powers a lot of people like to use is called Manhunt. And basically what you do with Manhunt is if I put a Manhunt on you, then it shows everyone in the game where you are. You're kind of like the targeted player of the game. And it lasts for two minutes, I believe. And if you survive the manhunt, you get some great rewards from that. But if somebody kills you, they get their great rewards. So it kind of makes you a big target that everyone wants to kill you to get their rewards. So I believe it gives you electronic and like some wood. I can't remember what the rewards are exactly, but it, it gives you some rewards that are actually worth, you know, killing the person or surviving. But another cool thing with the director is they have a megaphone they can use. So if I was directing a game, I can use this megaphone and... I get like 60 to 90 seconds, I believe it is, where I can talk to everyone and everyone can hear me. So I can give them a message. Okay, everyone, I'm putting electronic in the middle zone. Whoever wants to go for it, you know, go for that electronic and let's see you guys battle. You can make messages like that. That way it kind of creates action. Because if everyone knows, okay, there's electronic going to the middle. They don't know how many people are actually going to the middle, but they know I'm putting one there and they know I want to see them go for that. So it kind of influences people to actually get moving to a certain spot and to get fights going. So that's the cool thing about the director is you can actually influence the game to kind of create a better experience for the players. And like I said before, the director is definitely meant to facilitate that the match stays exciting and not to create unfair advantages. You definitely don't want to create an unfair advantage, but it's okay to like try and, you know, even things up, like say one team or, you know, one player is like killing everyone. It's okay to, you know, give like the player that's not doing as well some wood or something, just try and even things up and give them a little bit more of a chance. That's something I like to do sometimes, you know, if someone is kind of the underdog, I like to give them a little bit of a boost sometimes, like maybe I'll give them a warm up where that way they don't have to use wood to warm up and just give them a little bit of a boost to try and make things a little bit more interesting and a little bit more even. But basically, the director has a bird's eye view of the match. They kind of oversee the match, and they can switch from player to player watching them, or they can fly across the zone as they please. So basically, if there's 10 players in the match, I can kind of change my camera angle to any one of those players, or I can do like an overhead angle where I just roam over the area. And the cool thing is, if I'm hovering over a player and I'm like using their camera angle, I can talk to that player individually. And I can also use the megaphone, like I said, to talk to everyone at once. So 
you can go around talking to everyone individually or use the megaphones. You can always talk to the players. You can always try and influence them to do certain things. I mean, one of the things you could do perhaps is if there's two players near each other, you could say, all right, if you guys, you know, go fight each other, then I'll give the winner, you know, a reward. So you can kind of try and influence people to fight a little more and actually get things moving a little faster. So yeah, you can either play as the director, you can play solo, or you can play duos. Those are the three different ways you can play right now. And honestly, I've tried all three a good amount, and I definitely like all three. I would say I'm not as much of a fan of the duos right now, only because with only five teams, it does kind of go by fast sometimes. So that is a little bit frustrating at times how fast it goes. But honestly, the game is a lot of fun, and... I think everyone should check it out because I've had a lot of fun playing it. I've put in a lot of hours already in a lot of games. And to me, I think this is something interesting and unique that other Battle Royale games don't offer. Like, I love the crafting element. I love the director element where the director can kind of, you know, make things a little bit more interesting. I love the hunting element, too, where, you know, if I'm not careful about where I craft, someone could find me because of that. So that is really cool. Say you're playing like PUBG or something, you're not going to have to worry about, oh, I picked up a weapon here. Someone's going to know I picked up a weapon here. I mean, they'll know some guy picked up the weapon, but they're not going to be able to find you because of that. So that's one of the cool things about this is that you have to be really be careful about how you play things. And I think the 10 player battle royale gives a much more intimate feel to the game where 100 players, there's so many players in the game that you could die within 30 seconds, possibly. In the Darwin Project, you're not going to die in 30 seconds. Basically, the game, if it's duos, the game starts everyone in a different zone, so no one's going to be on top of each other right at the start in duos. If it's a solo game, it tries to split people up a little bit. Several people will be in their own zone, and several people will be two players in one zone. But it starts everyone out that way they're a little bit away from each other. That way they can gather resources a little bit and kind of, you know, warm into the game. And no one ever starts in the middle at the start of the game, though. But that's one of the cool things about it is with only 10 people in the game, it's definitely a much more intimate feel where every kill is intense. You know, every fight is intense because because you could get down to the final couple of players very fast or it could take a while. But the game still lasts the same amount of time as a Fortnite or a PUBG game. And that's what's cool is that There's less players, but it still lasts the same amount of time. So you're still getting that same enjoyment, but there's a lot more tension involved, I would say, because there's not going to be, you know, three people this way, three people that way. It's going to be a lot of hand-to-hand close combat because all you have is an axe and a bow and arrow. So it's going to be a lot of close fights, you know, get impersonal. You're not going to be sniping someone from far away. So it's going to be a lot of personal fights and... Honestly, just a very close-knit and intimate feel to the game, which I really love about it. Because with this game, as you go from 10 players left to 9 players left to 8, it really ramps up for you. It's like, oh shoot, I'm I'm in the final 3 already, like, and I haven't killed anyone yet. You know, how am I going to beat this guy that's killed 5 people already? So you have to try and plan accordingly and adjust your strategy. Or if the director closes your zone... You have to choose which zone to push into. You know, you might want to push into the middle. You might want to push into the zone to the left of you. Like, you have to change your strategy accordingly. And I think that's 
really interesting about this game is that the director can influence how you strategize. So basically, you have to work around the players around you. You have to work around the environment because you have to try and find you know, leather. You have to try and find wood and things like that. And you also have to adapt to what the director does. You know, if you're in a zone and the director drops a nuke there, obviously, you don't want to stay in that zone because you don't want to get nuked. So you have to move out of that zone quickly and adapt. And that's one thing I really think is interesting about this game is it offers a lot more adaptability than other Battle Royale games. And I did realize as I was talking, I didn't mention this, but one of the things you can find in the game, actually two things, there's treasure chests. And basically these chests, if you open them, they'll have, you know, extra leather, extra wood. Sometimes they'll have electronics. Sometimes they'll have bonus items like a warm coffee. A warm coffee will just warm you up without having to use any wood. Sometimes it has first aid kits, which heal you, obviously. So there's different items like that you can find in treasure chests throughout the world. But one of the things I forgot to mention that is actually pretty important is there's these little like buildings in the game. And if it has a satellite dish on top of the building, then it has a mini map in that building. So basically go into the building that has a satellite dish in the corner of that building there's going to be a mini map that shows where everyone in the game currently is. And that is huge. And that definitely offers a lot to the hunting aspect of the game. Because I can go by and go in one of these buildings go, oh, there's two guys in the zone next to me. Let me go into that zone and take them out. So that's one of the cool things about this game is because every single player has access to that. Every player can go into one of those huts with a satellite dish anytime they want and find out where their opponents are. And that's really cool because it offers you know, it makes it very hard for people to hide in the game. And it definitely leads to a lot more tracking because you also can leave like uh, footprints in the snow so people can track you that way as well. So it really makes you feel like you're actually hunting. So it really gets you in that mindset where, okay, you know, this is a battle for my life here. I have to try and hunt down my opponents and be the last one to survive. And I think it definitely has a different psychology to the game than other Battle Royale games have. Because other Battle Royale games, like, with 100 people in them, I think it's almost too much after playing this game. Like, I didn't really think so before playing this game, but after playing the Darwin Project, I think having 100 is almost too much because the intimate feel of the Darwin Project is just so amazing because you actually get into the psychology of the game more. It actually builds up the tension within you and it makes it it makes it more stressful in some ways because if there's only, you know, four players left, you really have to be on your game to survive that. Not that like say Fortnite or PUBG, you wouldn't have to be on your game with four players left. You would obviously, but it adds a lot more planning to the game, I, I would say. And that's really what I love about the Durham Project is there's a lot of planning, a lot of strategy involved, and a lot of adaptability. You really have to adapt with this game if you want to survive. You can't just go in there, you know, whack a couple of trees, get a little bit of wood, and go around rambling everyone. I mean, you really have to pay attention to clues. You have to, you know, okay, there's footprints of this guy here. Or, oh, somebody made a fire. Let me scout this fire and track them. Or let me go into this building and look at the satellite dish to see where everyone's at so it's definitely a different and unique battle royale game but it's one i would really recommend to everyone and like i said it's free on xbox game preview right now so 
definitely go check that out and download it. I mean, if it's free, why not download it and try it out and see for yourself if you like it? I mean, it might not be for everyone, but for me personally, it's my favorite Battle Royale game. I, I really love this game. But yeah, that's kind of it for the basics of the game. I mean, like I said, any future episodes on this game will go more in depth into a lot of other aspects of the game. And if you want to hear more about this game, then definitely let me know that. If you don't like hearing about this game, let me know that as too, you know, because I plan on doing more of this game. But if people don't like hearing about this game, I could always change that up too. So just let me know what you're thinking, you know. Let me know if you really love this and you want to hear about it, you know, more than once or twice a month, then I can try and accommodate that. So just let me know some feedback and, you know, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review on there as well. Reviews always help us get found by other people and it helps the podcast grow. So any reviews are really appreciated, honestly. And like I said before, our State of Decay 2 coverage will resume this week on Friday or Saturday, so stay tuned for that, and you'll have another episode then. I'm not sure at this time what the episode next Monday or Tuesday will be, but I will definitely have something out for you guys. I have an idea of what I'm going to have, but I don't want to say what it is right now, just in case I end up changing it up. So, But next Monday or Tuesday, you'll hear about a different game, and Friday or Saturday, you'll hear about State of Decay 2 again. If you want to get in touch with me and leave me some feedback, The Discord link for the podcast will be in the show notes. You can also get in touch with me via email, theblazeexperience at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter, at blazeexperience. So definitely get in touch with me in one of those ways. Leave me some feedback. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know if you want this series to continue on the Darwin Project, and just let me know your thoughts. And once again, I definitely want to give... A shout out to the Horrible Gamers podcast. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to let everyone know about the Blaze experience. And honestly, everyone that's listening, you should really check out the Horrible Gamers podcast. They do a great job and they're a great podcast for all around aspects of gaming. And whereas with the Blaze experience here, we do more in-depth dives into single games. Horrible Gamers covers more of a broad aspect of gaming and it it's definitely one of the better podcasts that do that so whereas here you're going to hear you know one episode on a certain game and it's going to be a deep dive into that game the horrible gamers will cover a lot of news about all of gaming and it's definitely refreshing to hear that news and you should give them a shot and heck after you review our podcast you know go review their podcast as well i'm sure they'd appreciate more reviews and They're definitely great guys, and they definitely deserve it. But if you didn't know already, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google Play. We're on Blueberry, Podbean. We're on Stitcher, Acast, a bunch of different places. So Radio Public, just search any of those places. We're on all those places. And like I said at the top of the episode, I'm working on YouTube and streaming. So hopefully in the near future, I will have news on that for you guys. So. That's something I'm working on right now. And for the last couple of podcasts, I have been mentioning as well, we did just join a network recently. We joined the Podcast NH Network. This is a podcasting network for podcasts in New Hampshire. And there's a lot of different podcasts here. You can go check out a wrestling podcast. There's a behavioral podcast, a podcast on music. There's a podcast on wellness. There's a business podcast. 
there's just a lot of different types of podcasts, honestly. So there's 14 or 15 podcasts in the network right now, and you should go check out podcastnh.com and you know you can check out the podcast there see more about them and you can find us on there as well but thank you so much to everyone for listening i really appreciate it and i definitely get a lot of enjoyment out of doing this for you guys so hopefully you guys get enjoyment out of this too and hopefully it's and hopefully it's helping people in these games that's why i like doing the deep dives into these games i like to delve into aspects of the games that people might need help in or people might not know all the tips for and i like to dive deep into the strategy mechanics of games and i hope people are enjoying that so thank you so much everyone for listening and i really appreciate that and we will lead you out with our brand new song the SonicSushi.com song which is our new theme song So I really hope you guys like that song as well. You know, let me know in the feedback if you like the song. So thank you, everyone, for listening to The Blaze Experience.